Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode three of season three of Club Sandwich. I'm Mitch. Were you about to impersonate me? I was about to say I was Sam. Starting off the episode with identity theft. That's cool. Uh, I'm Sam, actually. And I'm just Mitch. Yeah. And uh, on today's episode of Club Sandwich, we are pleased to have another guest with us. Mitchell, who's our guest? Yes, so we have uh, Dr. Sear with us today. Woo! No first name given? Uh, Dr. Taylor Sear. There we go. (laughs) Dr. Sear, would you like to... Say hi to the people at home. Hello there. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, of course. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Dr. Taylor Sear is a Sanford professor, um, specializes in philosophy. Mitchell and I have both had him at various instances in our college career. I had him for Western Intellectual Tradition 3. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> Uh, and Mitchell, you've had him twice. I've had him for Intro to Philosophy my freshman year, so he's one of the first professors I had, and then I've had him for Logic this year. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. And uh, Dr. Sears had the esteemed privilege of teaching both of us. I'm sure we're just model students <laughs> that definitely didn't try and overtake the class with pop culture references and dumb puns. Honestly, having listened to the podcast now, I'm surprised there weren't more interjections <laughs> We're showing restraint. No, Try, that's good. Trying to be respectful yeah. in the classroom. You have temperance. Um, yeah, so if you want to give the people just a brief rundown of like kind of your career and uh, how you ended up here where we would have met you. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm originally from Florida, grew up in Orlando, and went to... Uh, college at Florida State University, um, got kind of got hooked on philosophy. Then maybe we'll talk more about philosophy later. But uh, <laughs> uh, ended up going to grad school in Southern California at the University of California Riverside, and then had a one-year teaching job at Washington University in St. Louis, and then was very fortunate the year after that to come to Samford, where I have a tenure track full-time position and nice. so that's kind of geographically my my story i was gonna say you've been all over the place yeah. yeah yeah that's right and honestly this i've i've loved birmingham i love everything i, I love lots of things about southern california maybe not everything but i, I loved <laughs> living in southern california i like st louis a lot had more drawbacks i think birmingham mm-hmm. is is a comfortable spot for me and my family so very comfy I'm like it here yeah i've heard it's it's a great place for young people i would i don't live here so i wouldn't know but it's a pretty good place for young people <laughs> you don't live here what do you mean <laughs> no, no sarcasm uh sorry the the people can't know where we live they may they may send like hate mail we've something. never we've never alluded to ever being at any university at all never oh, never sweet. never been explicit well, um, what a coincidence that y'all both ended up in <laughs> right courses it's wild <laughs> um well one of the cool parts about having the esteemed dr taylor sear as your professor is that He's not just a teacher. Believe it or not, professors can actually have interests and in mm. a life outside the classroom. And I know, I know, that sounds shocking. It's and a you, little controversial. You might not believe us, mm-hmm. but we have firsthand experience that they do have something to do when they leave the classroom. Mm. Um, and one of Dr. Sears' most endearing qualities is the fact that he will incorporate like pop culture into his teachings. And uh, that's honestly like, so f- full story, my first like interaction with you as a professor uh-huh. was you came in, kind of like introduced yourself and uh, asked us how the class was going to go because it was like the third iteration of right. essentially the same course. 
And I think we started talking to like the class was introducing themselves and you were getting to know us. And uh, you asked about like favorite musical artists mm-hmm. and um, someone in our class, a, a dear friend of ours mentioned Phoebe Bridgers and you like, <laughs> were like, yes, of course. Like immediately related to it. And we were like, what? <laughs> Yeah. That was that was so shocking, but I had just seen Phoebe Bridgers like a year before, maybe not even a full year before when she was here in, in Birmingham. And yeah, I'm a big fan. She might be my favorite artist right now. That's wow. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was that was a big like, okay, this guy this guy might be interesting. Um and then we started talking about movies and yeah. I as as has been the story of my whole life, I caught a lot of flack for saying that my favorite movie ever was Cars. Um that one has never been a popular. I hope I, you still keep getting the flat. I think you you pitched like a paper idea about cars. I think I did on the first day of class. I <laughs> I used a, a quote from it in our final research paper. You asked you asked me weeks before the paper was due if that was okay. Right. And the whole time I was reading your paper, I was looking for it, and you ended with it. Right. That was, was very dramatic. <laughs> like your broader application was in reference to cars. Yes. My my concluding statement was, I don't need to know where I'm going. I just need to know where I've been. Quote Tomater. <laughs> The backwards driving. It was it was about the social contract. We were go. I was going over. I, I spent like ten pe- ten pages explaining the history of the social contract, and I, like I was like, it's not a perfect history, but we can use it. Look for use it to look forward to the future. <laughs> Thus, I don't need to know where I'm going. Just need to know where I've been. Love it. I mean, I think it worked. First semester, I used uh, used a quote from Poison, the '80s hair metal band. Okay. So I just, you got to have something to yeah. stand out, you know. The <laughs> the advice my cousin gave me at the beginning of the University Fellows Honor Program was, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, just try and be the funniest. <laughs> so that's that's kind of what we've been going for. <laughs> um, but anyway, all the point of this is that you like to incorporate some kind of pop culture into your teaching. So that's true. can you kind of tell us about that, like, Give us give an example, if you will, the the primary example. Uh, well, I show a lot of movies uh, in my classes. In my intro to philosophy class, I try to introduce a bunch of different kind of main questions in philosophy through science fiction, and I show three movies over the course of the semester, including The Matrix. That's where we start, which is always fun. Uh, one other thing I've done in a core text class is I've I think this was this was for the like modern to postmodern era, I had students pick one of the kind of themes or philosophical ideas that we had uh, learned and read about over the course of the semester, and they had to find uh, an instance of either a movie or a song or something in pop culture, kind of taking that idea and running with it, and that was their paper assignment. Oh, that's so, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of what you did with cars. <laughs> right, <laughs> <Not> right. Really. <laughs> Much smaller scale. Um, yeah, that's, and just to show that he's not like, He's not a fake fan. Dr. Sear did join us today with a Matrix-themed coffee mug. Here it is. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. all, you can't hear it. All the people at home can just feel the presence of the Matrix coffee mug. Yeah, we'll we'll get a picture of it. It, for is, it is one of my top five movies, unironically. I love the Matrix. I don't think anybody would question you being ironic about it. I <laughs> Absolutely. Mean, it's, 
I don't. I've never heard somebody be like, "Oh, The Matrix, really? That's a favorite movie of yours." Give I, it a few I more love years. Love it. <laughs> Give it a few more it's, years. It's so much part of pop culture now. There's so many references to it that, like, it's going to become cliched. I think. Oh, it might already be. Uh, it may kind of do that. I mean, it was in America's favorite movie, Space Jam Two: A New Legacy, starring LeBron James. It but... was referenced there. That's amazing. And I, I, I think, especially You're after much. the the newest movie getting a lot of hate and not doing super well, people may start to be more critical towards yeah. the originals. As far as I'm concerned, there's only one Matrix movie. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and I mean, not to just like I don't I don't want to blow anybody's mind here, but I haven't seen the first Matrix. I know I need to. I, Clearly, you've never taken intro to philosophy. You're, I know you're shaking your head right now at me, I'm and like I know. Writing this down. <laughs> he has a pen and paper, and he's writing it down. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting points taken away. I'm not even in the class right now. Well, at the beginning of uh, of the class that you took with me, you mentioned you'd never had a bagel, and I brought oh, bagels gosh, to class right. that semester because you had never had a bagel. Right. So, I'm so you've find also a way. never seen everything everywhere all at once. Then, golly, <laughs> I I didn't realize that was going to be such a controversial statement about the bagels. It came up like early on in the semester because I was a connections leader, which is essentially Sanford's mm. like get get the freshmen introduced to the campus people like that's your job for a week. And that came up somehow. And I was like, look, man, I'm from Mississippi. We do biscuits like that's not a thing. But no, I was I was ridiculed and lambasted in front of an audience of freshmen. So you don't have a, a Panera where you come from? You don't have a place that makes bagels. Just, just a little you out don't of have his... a grocery store. That's <laughs> okay, maybe we do. He's maybe in more of a food do. desert of, of <laughs> right. sorts. We're in a gulch. Yeah, Mitchell has been to Brookhaven, and it is it is a culinary. I don't want to say wasteland. That sounds too strong. I would say that Brookhaven has great like fried chicken. And... That's true. Well, that's it. Okay. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I can't really defend it That's much very more. Southern. But <laughs> yeah, we do chicken on a stick. That's our thing. <laughs> um, yeah, well, maybe I just have to educate myself on the Matrix at some point. Absolutely, maybe. I I would definitely watched the movie when I was way too young to really appreciate it. Like I saw the first Matrix when I was like five. Oh wow! And of course, Gosh. my dad skipped through a couple scenes yeah. of Neo and Trinity, um, but that I definitely couldn't watch. But <laughs> I I just. Thought it was the coolest thing ever, but of course, yeah. as a kid, I watched movies like The Matrix and The Truman Show, and I spent like the next two years having an existential crisis. Yeah. Like at the age am of five, I real? yes, <laughs> you had an existential crisis at age five. Yeah, I got it out of the way. I think everyone has their existential <laughs> crisis, and I had mine after watching The Matrix at like five years old. All the other kids on the playground are like playing freeze tag and like drinking apple juice, and Mitchell's sitting in a corner pondering like. He's moving his arms around like, does any of this matter? I'm I'm but a speck in the infinite multiverse. But I think because of that, I was when people started talking about the Matrix, or when I started hearing about it, I guess I should say, in more of a philosophical way, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, that makes more sense because I had the baseline of having right. seen it. So when people started comparing it to like, um, you know, about how it draws from Plato's cave allegory, yeah. much like one of my other favorite movies, Free Guy. Um, <laughs> Side note, explain movie. that. Um, I think I think we've mentioned. There's no way we haven't mentioned the Free Guy video essay on. This yeah, show I have before, a Free but... Guy video essay on my on my YouTube channel. I haven't made any YouTube videos besides that for like almost a year now, and it's it's 28 minutes of me talking about why I love Free Guy, and like five of those minutes is assigning the, the Plato's cave allegory to the movie. That is amazing. And how the movie 
somewhat like subverts Plato's cave allegory, but yeah, <laughs> you know, you just I, a casual. I can Thursday. already kind of see where you're going. I have too much free that. time. Yeah, right. Well, I and I watched him make it. This was when we were living together, and I watched him like he would get on Google Slides, I think it was, and made like made like a slideshow, right, uh, to edit the video because by that point we did not have any editing software, and uh, <laughs> I would be like, I don't think you ever recorded much of the audio while I was there, but there was one day where I came into the room and you were like, hey, if you could just put on like headphones and just like be be quiet for just like 20 minutes while I talk about Free Guy, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I was like, you got it, man. <laughs> but I think so much of what I love about the movie is the same things I love about The Matrix. Mm-hmm. And I it was one of those movies where I, I grew up Watching it and rewatching it with my dad a lot, and I also loved the sequels as a kid. That's Ooh. certainly a controversial opinion within the Matrix. I don't even know what you're community. referring to. Um, <laughs> you already know where I'm coming from on this. <laughs> but I, because as a kid, you don't really watch movies and always have an understanding of like narrative cohesion and yeah. like story direction and all of these things that I now talk about on a daily basis on my pretentious Letterboxed app, <laughs> but. I was just like, okay, did you get more and more awesome? In the last movie, he fights a like a million Mr. Smiths, and right. so it's awesome. But I think back, I'm <laughs> like, okay, some awesome. of that was kind of stupid, and maybe it was a little bit too ham-fisted with its messages. Yeah, The first movie, I think, is the perfect amount of kind of subtlety in yeah. that philosophical inclusion. But I'd love to hear more about what you think about The Matrix, because yeah. I, I got to watch it in your class, but I'm interested right. in more yeah. about what you say. I guess I like the appearance versus reality distinction that's on display in the allusions to the allegory of the cave. I also like it as a kind of Christian story, which I don't think the filmmakers intended, but you have, (laughs) well, there's got to be these explicit allusions on their mind, right? Right. You have a Christ figure that dies and resurrects and then ascends at the end. Right. Lots of biblical references along the way. Right. I like that about it. Uh, I also think that the, uh, the, the, the fight scenes hold up. They I do. think like it's definitely looks like something that was made in a distinctive way in 1999, which it mm-hmm. was. But it's still fun to watch that now. It doesn't look cheesy. Absolutely. Well, funny enough, I I got a book for Christmas um, called "They Shouldn't Have Killed His Dog," and it's like an entire like bi- basically biographical history of the John Wick movies. And oh, I read nice. like 45 pages about how The Matrix invented like gun fu, which is just mm-hmm. like the fighting style of a lot of modern action movies where you're essentially fighting somebody, but you all have guns. Yeah. And it was just all about the Matrix. And I was like, could you imagine reading this in like high school and doing a book report on it? Like <laughs> the power right. that I now hold with the John Wick book in my hands. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and Keanu Reeves is the kind of through line there. Right, uh, right. He's just not a good actor, but it's perfect for the Matrix. <laughs> it <That's>... is, because <laughs> he's supposed to be this totally unaware guy. Yes. So when he looks very out of place in the movie and acts very out of place, it just fits. Yeah. Especially yeah. contrasted with, like, Lawrence Fishburne being a really convincing actor. That's right. It's sort I'm of... Taking it very seriously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sort of matches with the theme of the movie with Neo <laughs> not knowing anything. That's right, Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, every time I show it, and I do show it every semester I teach intro to philosophy, I laugh out loud at some of the, the Neo lines. Like, <laughs> I know Kung Fu. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or when he he's, goes back into the Matrix and he looks down a street and he's like, well, I used to eat there. Really good noodles. <laughs> the dumbest line in that movie. I think it, it just works because it, it makes Neo this, like, 
just really awkward, kind of unlikable guy. Yeah. And it, and it works for his, his development, but... Yeah. Oh, I almost forgot. There's another... Um, what class do you have coming up that you're teaching that uh, also incorporates pop culture? Well, thank you for letting me do some advertising. Of course. Uh, it is called Philosophical Ethics, Philosophy 314, and the theme is The Good Place and Philosophy. So what? not a movie, but a uh, TV that. series that is... It features a philosopher as a character and is all about ethics. So it raises a bunch of cool topics. It uses as props, like real-life philosophy books that are the... Assigned readings for huh. the course. That's awesome. That's interesting. Yeah. That's that's the one with Ted Danson, right? Yeah, that's right. And okay. Kristen Bell. Right, right. Okay. I whenever I see a Ted Danson, I never remember his name. It's just the guy from the Good Place. But <laughs> right. I haven't gotten to watch the show. Oh. Like, right. oh, it's the Good Place guy because he's tall and he's got the white hair and the glasses. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So if you like the show, take the class. We're gonna watch the whole series as an assignment for the class. We'll watch clips in class, including some extended scenes that are on the DVDs that weren't that weren't part of the original That's so episodes. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. There's actually some interesting philosophy tucked into deleted scenes that is worth talking about. So oh, if wow. you're if you're a diehard fan, you should definitely take the class. I taught it a couple of years ago and had some diehard fans in the class and it was awesome. I was gonna ask like where like where did you get the idea to do this? Well I'm just I'm a big fan of the good place as a show. And right. when it ended I was like, oh they just made a like they they had a philosophical thesis that they defended with the finale of the series. Wow! And I was like, this would be really fun to use in a class. Yeah. And then when the opportunity came to teach this upper level ethics class here at Sanford, I was like, you know what? You could you could use the whole series as an introduction to ethics. And so I just I I watched uh, the Good Place again just as you know for work. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> for, for research. Work. Yeah, for research. And then uh, I listened to the Good Place the podcast which uh, is probably the only podcast I've listened to every episode of. Wow. Um, but yeah, Mark Evan Jackson, who plays a demon in the show, Sean. Uh, <laughs> Sean the Sean. demon. <laughs> yep. uh, he hosts the podcast and is hilarious and a really good uh, interviewer. Interesting. Yeah. We'll have to check it out. Yeah, you should. That's. I mean, it, we talked about in our uh, deep in the club sandwich lore, um, our Episode zero, Podception, we talked about other podcasts we've watched or, right. well, listened to, and mainly ones we haven't listened to. So we may have to add that to our list yeah, of uh, if we ever decide to listen to a podcast that isn't our own. Yeah. It's really for fans of The Good Place. Like, it would spoil things if you oh, were just trying to listen okay, to it. Okay. Yeah, you, you should watch the show first. And that's, like, a thing that's been going on a lot lately. I've seen a lot of other like podcasts about shows like I know The Office has it feels like every actor from The Office has their own right Um, there's one on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia I think that's made by like the actual people there's one that's not technically Arrested Development but it's like two of the biggest actors from it it's like Jason Bateman and Will Arnett which fun fact on an episode about Sanford graduate Tony Hale you can actually hear Jason Bateman say the phrase uh Sanford graduate, which is <laughs> that's just saying, crazy. That's pretty crazy that that exists on the internet now. <laughs> that is that's very cool. Right, right. Um, well, what else do we have here on our topics list, Mr. Drennan? I, I also wanted to briefly mention this because I don't know if I'd ever told you this. You'd mentioned in your intro to philosophy class a movie that you're like, we're not going to watch this movie. It was when we were talking about time travel. Mm-hmm. We're not going to watch this movie because I can't necessarily recommend it, but it's the movie Idiocracy. <laughs> 
<laughs> that yes. I went and watched. And Sam, I don't know if you know about this movie either because it's it's such a random movie. It is, but it's where this guy he's he's like a total totally average human being, and he gets put in like this freezing pod as a test. And it's supposed to be in there for like five years, right? I think, but then they forget about him, and he's in there for five hundred years. Wait, 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 wait. Is this the one where um, Terry Crews is the president? Yes. And he's like a wrestler? Yes. Okay, I haven't seen it, but I saw a clip of it in a video essay about how to do satire. <laughs> so so in the future, he who was this totally average guy is not like the smartest guy in the world and like society has gotten just, dumber. It's yeah. just so dumb and everyone's just like practically like an animal at this point and Terry Crews as a pro wrestler is the president and Right. It's 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 an awesome movie that I yeah. got to watch because of <laughs> your recommend or not recommendation in the class. Yeah, it's I've heard this joke. It's a very sad joke, but the when people are despairing about the the level of stupidity in society, they'll say things like "Idiocracy" was the the only movie to start out as a comedy and then it turned into a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, that's too dark for me though. I thought it was funny. I, I liked <laughs> yeah. it. And then also through that class, you showed, at least Meyer, you showed Minority Report and Gattaca, which I also really, really enjoyed and would definitely recommend. Yeah, they're all like late 90s, early 2000s, cyberpunk, science fiction, very dark movies, but right. they all fit with the themes of the class pretty well. It did. One thing I've wanted to ask, because um, I don't know if this is like jumping the shark on getting into this, but... Um, one of the funniest parts of like the three people talking on this podcast currently and their relationship to each other is that we all follow each other on Letterboxd, which yeah. <laughs> we explained the premise of the app on our last episode. <laughs> right. Go check that out. Um, but we all follow each other, and you can like see each other's movie reviews and like them and all that. And uh, I can't even remember. Mitchell, who who found out about Dr. Sears' profile first? I don't know. Because I remember... I was made aware of it fairly early on. Right. I got it. I opened the app one day, and like 10 Sanford students were following <laughs> right. me. I was very confused. Right. Well, a lot of them are our friends because someone in our group chat was like, OMG, guys, Dr. Sear has a letterbox profile, and I just found it. Let's all go That's follow awesome. him. And so we went and did that, and I sent you a an email on my like <laughs> school email over, the, over Christmas break and was That's like... Right. Just wanted to say, like, hope you're having a great break, enjoying time <laughs> with your family. Uh, we just found your letterbox profile, and it's really entertaining. We're big fans. Keep it up. Have a great break. Nice. And that was that was the extent of the email. That is funny. I, okay, so I listened to your last episode, and mm -hmm. maybe this is the time uh, that I owe you all a, conf a confession. <gasps> oh, no. Um, so you rightly noted that uh, I did not like the recent Black Widow movie very much, but I did like Florence Pugh, <laughs> right. uh, who carried that movie. For right. Me. Um, and I'm sure for most. Yeah, and my review was just Florence Pugh. That was the, <laughs> the entirety of my review. Um, I also, I did like Crazy Rich Asians a lot more, um, and my entire the entirety of my review for that one was uh, Aquafina. Exactly. But actually, I, I applied the same principle she no. is amazing. I love Aquafina, so I hate to disappoint y'all. If you want to like scrap this episode, disinvite me. I totally, that's understand. such a subversion. Yes, guys, I I've been Sam, Aquafina. and he's been Mitch. Thanks for listening. To <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, so uh, she's I, great. I always thought it was I took a star and a half off because of Aquafina. That's no. that was my interpretation. <laughs> she's part of what makes that movie great. And uh, okay, so I like her in Crazy Rotations. 
it was like around the same time, maybe the next year, she did another movie where she had to play a much more serious role. The movie's called The Farewell. It's like a smaller, maybe oh. an indie movie. I think A24 released it. Hmm. You must you must check this out. It's one of okay. my it was my favorite movie of 2019, or I think that's the year it came out. I'll add it to the watch list. There you go. Uh, she still has the same voice, so you might still not like it, but she's uh, <laughs> she's still funny throughout, but uh, also plays a plays a very serious role. And the subject matter of the farewell is saying goodbye to uh, her grandma, who is given a terminal illness, uh, a diagnosis with a terminal illness for a terminal illness, and uh, the family has to decide whether to uh, disclose that information to her grandmother or whether to keep it a secret. Oh, and the, so this is about a Chinese American family, and part of their uh, cultural practice, what's normal, is to keep that information from the person who's given the terminal illness, so that they can enjoy their final days without the knowledge of their terminal illness. Wow. So the the movie, this would you'd get this from the trailer, it's premised on them trying to have a family gathering with her grandmother without telling her. And the character that Aquafina plays feels torn about this. And so when I've taught uh, biomedical ethics in the past, uh, I've talked a about re- this issue. Light and, reading, easy work. I know, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, a lot of really important stuff, especially if you're thinking of going into medicine. Right. But uh, yeah, you might have to talk with patients who are unsure whether they want to uh, lie or whether they want to uh, disclose this kind of information. Wow. And it all comes back to that kind of like, is it good to be blissfully ignorant or not? Right. And that's a, that's very Matrix, too. Yes. That's right. yeah. <laughs> it all comes like full circle. From Aquafina to all the way back to the Matrix. Yeah. So I'm sorry that you all don't like Aquafina. Uh, you'd I think I'd just... be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just I just never liked her voice. I think that always got me so yeah. much. Was I, I couldn't ever drive with her voice. Yeah. And it also... Yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's part of it. It also feels like she tells the same joke in like every movie she's in. But may, I mean, you I know, get it. If if your personality doesn't mesh with hers, like all of her jokes are gonna oh, rub you the same okay. way. Whereas, okay. I like it. So, it, like y'all would be friends if you met. Oh man, I, I, yeah, she wouldn't. I don't know that she'd want to be friends with me, but I oh, love okay. hanging out with her. So, <laughs> see, yeah. that's. We've we've got to be a lot more careful. I've realized about <laughs> what we say because one, anyone can hear this and like have feedback. But two, like, let's say ten years from now, this turns like in the dream scenario where this is a famous podcast mm-hmm. and we like Aquafina finds out and like publicly calls us out. Yeah. Like that's good publicity for y'all, though. Ah, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> we'll brand ourselves as the people who really, really dislike Aquafina. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, there's got to be a few of you out there. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I guess that gets into the philosophical uh, query of is all publicity good publicity? Yeah, I doubt that it is, but there are people who think that way. Right. Hey, I gotta say, you gotta keep going, keep up with the hot takes though, because I that's, it gets the people invested. It. Even when I disagree with y'all, it's it's very entertaining. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what other like really hot takes we've had on here. I mean. My favorite I, is that y'all really did not like Toy Story 4, and I'm yes, with you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> the, the series thank ended you. with Toy Story 3. I stand by that. And did you, did you see they're making a fifth? No. Disney announced the other day they're making uh, Toy Story 5, Frozen 3, Zootopia 2, which is like... We know we knew Frozen 3 was coming. Right. Those like, of us with kids who love the first two <laughs> are excited for some new songs. Fresh. <laughs> tired, tired of hearing Let It Go right. and then the Brendan Urie song. Which, Mitchell, I may be wrong on this. Did Weezer have a song in the Frozen 2 soundtrack? No, no, no. They, they have a cover 
okay, oh. a licensed cover of the song Lost in the Woods that Kristoff sings in the movie. Okay, okay. I was about to it's say. It's not like in the movie, it's that, Rivers Cuomo singing. Okay, I was going to say, that would radically change my perspective <laughs> on that movie. Sam, I will I will add that your review of Toy Story 4 is a half star and in all caps. <laughs> yeah. I have only, yeah, we, talk, we talked about it last episode, I think, where that was one of the only movies I've given, like, the lowest possible review to. My favorite hot take that I'm going to continue to revisit, it's not a hot take, it's not, but maybe mine is just hotter than other people's hot takes, is how much I hate the movie Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, Did you you see it? Uh, I did see that one, yes. Okay, they all they blend together. Already forgot. But it, I exactly. was about to say the fact <laughs> yeah. that you hesitated yeah. says a lot. But I, I just I'm not I fully caught up with up. the MCU, but I did see that one. It's it's bad. I dislike it a lot. I just want to keep reiterating that on the show because <laughs> I think my opinion in the episode where we talk about it, I talk about it with a little too much uh, love or a little too much respect, and it deserves less. So. It, the the Thor Love and Thunder wound is festering for Mitchell. Like every time it gets brought up in a it conversation, is. With I him, never put a bandage on it. He's and it's just getting more, worse. <laughs> yeah, he's more upset about it and more like this is one. This is an abomination. This is a travesty to filmmaking. Like it, it's it's progressively getting worse every time. That's amazing. Well, and y'all had you two, once again, a like profound, powerful sci-fi thriller that I have not seen, but you two get to gush about mm. is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh my gosh. It's probably my favorite movie. It's oh, really? there's no way. It's dude. it's it's upgraded for me more and more over time. I've rewatched it. I've seen I've seen it three or four times now. I think it's got it for me, it's definitely a top ten of all time movie. Which yeah. I I knew coming out of the theater, and that never happens for me. Like, right. wow. I have to decide that after it simmers for years. Right, right. Like it <laughs> needs time. This one, I was like, nope. This is a top ten for me. I think it's the public has kind of had a reaction to the movie in that same way. Like people are already regarding it. A lot of people are regarding it as one of the classics in that yeah. kind of way, just because of how original the yeah. storytelling is. Right, and it's very out there. There are plenty of scenes that. You can't talk about on a podcast because it's just really, really weird. That's but it's true. it never feels like pointless. Like it's part of the experience of the movie is the weirdness and yes, I of course I love the very existential philosophy right. of the film of kind of like this idea of um, the line nothing matters and kind of how the movie talks about you know how we can wrestle with that idea. Right. I find really fascinating. Yeah. I, of course, I don't want to spoil it because it's come out somewhat recently. And, and I still haven't seen it. I need to see it. I'm hoping so, so much that it wins the Oscar for Best Picture. Oh, if it so. doesn't, it would be a La La Land level rob of Best Picture for the movie. Mm. Okay, but you know what? I'll say hot take. I don't think awards matter. I agree. I think it's all like, I, I don't know what's given me this opinion lately. Um, I think it was, who who won Album of the Year most recently? I think Harry Styles won album of the year for yeah okay well the Grammys never mind I'm I'm not gonna say anything incendiary against him at the risk of losing <laughs> half of our fan base the hot take you're not allowed to have <laughs> right right um, yeah I'm fine with not caring as much about the Oscars but I will say uh, I like the fact that they get that things get nominated because it brings attention to good stuff from right. the past year uh, and this that's movie, fair it, it racked up the nominations in a way that I didn't expect even as much as i love the movie right so I, I was happy about that in some degree just kind of the representation can be very important to people like a few years ago when parasite won best best picture like that was just a huge deal for yes. an international film and right. a korean film being mm. recognized and that movie is of course it deserves it i yes. think it's probably one of my top 10 movies 
Um, it's got to be up there for me too. It's so, so good. good. Have you seen Parasite? It's, I haven't, and I was literally about to say like it's getting. And Dr. Again. Sears taking another note. <laughs> Her side is phenomenal. Uh, it is getting harder and harder for the co-hosts of this show to like <laughs> be on the same playing field of movies because like Mitchell has since getting a letterbox profile has felt this like <laughs> inconquerable thirst to like it's been exponential how many movies I've watched right I mean not That's only awesome. are you watching so many movies he is now an AMC Stubbs A-list member oh, which nice. is like if you see two movies a month it pays for itself and you can see as many as you want for 20 bucks you're shilling for AMC actually <laughs> if we could get sponsored by AMC that'd be nice I would love but, to support movie theaters in any way Yeah, I, I don't true. want the tradition to die that's fair I'm not gonna diss on you for that um, but like you well the number of movies you've been watching has shot up but also like the is pretentiosity a word? Pretentiousness. <laughs> uh, no, that's fair. The pretentiousness of the movies you've been watching has gone up because, like, freshman year, we talked about like all kinds of like MCU stuff yeah. and like really enjoyed Kung Fu Panda and we saw like Sonic together and I was like, sick, this is awesome. We yeah. both are fine with just shutting the brain off. And now, like, I'll go check your profile and it's like Parasite. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. <laughs> the sound of music. Right. The, I, I watched No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. There Charlie will be Chaplin's blood. Chaplin's The Great Dictator. Right. Wow. He's he sent me like, oh yeah, this was like an Italian film from 1940, and I'm like, I, okay. Oh, uh, Rome, Open City. Yeah, it's a classic. I was like, I was like, awesome. I just watched a Charlie Do you Day. Not watch film. <laughs> I don't watch films. I watch movies. I was like, I just watched a Charlie Day rom com in Moana. What do you want from me? That's like, amazing. <laughs> and it's, it's speaking of Moana. I think that's the movie I've seen the most times. Are you serious? Really? But it's because it's Your my kids, kids' favorite movie. Oh, at different times. I like Moana. Which oh, one? A good one. Both Judah and Penny. Okay. Judah's five, and when he was like, I guess when he was like three, he went through a huge Moana phase, and then Penny's two now. But like over the last year, she's been off and on obsessed with Moana. Interesting. Which that is, sorry, not to speak like I'm some like great old fountain of wisdom but like it is so bizarre to me to think that like there are kids that are like growing up with moana yeah, now right because it just feels like people weren't born after 2015 what are you talking about <laughs> That's right. people weren't born after 2002 right <laughs> right, right and that, i mean i guess talking on that like films versus movies it is funny to go through your profile on letterbox dr sear because oh, okay. like a lot of them are like Big time, like powerful. I mean, all quiet on the Western Front. Um, that one got a lot of nominations this year. Licorice Pizza, um, the French Dispatch, and then like occasionally in there, you've got thrown in like Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, <laughs> which was very good. Everyone should watch. That's one of my favorite recent comedies. <laughs> really, I love Kristen Wiig though. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah, fair. That's so fair. Do you do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Oh, I don't know. Um, Mitchell, like current or just, it, uh, just any time? Any veteran, mm. all time? Probably not current. Probably I'd... be Will Ferrell's. Yep, he'd be up there for on me. SNL, he's fantastic. Yeah. I, I love Will Ferrell, but not specifically from SNL. Okay. I think my favorite SNL, like cast members ever, would have to either be Bill Hader or Keenan Thompson. Oh, Bill Hader is fantastic. Because Bill Hader is just one of my like favorite fiction or. Fictional. fictional characters. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Hader is one of my favorite like celebrities. Yeah. And then Keenan Thompson, like he's very funny. That dude has got range. Yeah. And, and it, he just is SNL. 
Yeah, right. I, honestly, he. The, when I see him, I think of SNL. Or when I see uh, SNL, I think of right. like Bill Hader and Keenan. He yeah. he carried like 2014 to like 2019, I think. Yeah. Okay, so my other favorite besides those and Kristen Wiig would be Fred Armisen. Oh, underrated. I've actually seen him. He came to Florida State when I was an undergrad, so I got to see him do a comedy show for free. That's amazing. I love him. And I love Portlandia, which is one of his best projects. Right. That's awesome. And he's going to be Cranky Kong in the upcoming Mario (laughs) I can't wait for Mario. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is going to be so good. Is that going to be like, are you going to go see that or are you bringing the kids? Uh, it's, 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 it's a matter of some debate in my household right now okay, because we're gotcha. not sure. My wife, Marsha and I are not sure if Judah can sit through a whole movie in the theater yet. <laughs> like a lot of kids do when they're like four or five. Right, right. But, uh, I don't know if it's his attention span or what it is, but like, it's hard even at home to sit through a whole movie. That's true. We often true. do clips or shorter, you know, episodes. We're, we're big fans of Bluey. Are just yeah. Right. Bluey's episodes are <laughs> seven to eight minutes. Right. <laughs> That's about our speed. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hearing a like concerning amount of recommendations of that show by people who like don't have kids oh you should watch it are you serious yes it is very good it's heartwarming it's hilarious is it it's 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 like the comfort food equivalent of like tv oh for sure yeah okay and there's wonderful accents it's it's all good it's really well done animation wait what accents are they they're from australia so it's australia okay that's that's a little bit more endearing i was like if it's like a peppa pig type i would be a little insulted that you suggest i abhor peppa pig (laughs) (laughs) we're doing hot takes (laughs) my kids like it and i just i always am trying to steer them to bluey (laughs) (laughs) trying to put a little influence on the children's programming so judah likes playing mario games though so i think he might actually get into the movie and okay. through it. Uh, Man, I'm, so yeah. I'm so excited. I do remember you mentioning in class that like you were trying, you were in the like educational phases of like Mario Kart to him, yes. I believe. Yes, he recently learned Mario Kart. We started with um, Super Mario Maker. So I got him oh, that when fun. he was like three uh-huh. and I made him a bunch of levels that he, like at his introductory level. That's so Aww, sweet. It was one That's of the awesome. best gifts I've ever given. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. But then we've played Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. Of course. Together. Right. Classic. Modern classic. That's right. I, I do regret not getting that one. I felt like I played the original and like, it just came at a time where I wasn't willing to drop another like sixty yeah. dollars on that. Yeah. But I, I just forget how much I love the the goofy little Italian man and overalls. <laughs> and they they made a uh, Illumination released a new like promotional video yesterday, and it was, um, gosh, I don't, I don't know who would remember this because it's such like a lost section of time and like the cultural zeitgeist, but like. In the 90s, there was the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which was a live action Mario show with like Lou Albano. And they would like, it would go back and forth between a cartoon and then like real people. And it was like Seinfeld. Yeah. It was Seinfeld, but with Mario characters. (laughs) And Illumination like recreated it for the new movie. Yeah. They do the, the intro song. Yeah. It is the most bizarre like callback. And they made them, they made the plumber, like the plumbing company, a website, but it's like an intentionally crappy website (laughs) where every, like, you can see the green screens in the background (laughs) and like the links don't go anywhere. It's hilarious. That's funny. I'll have to check that out. I'm so shocked by how much I like the marketing because of how, how scared I am of Chris Pratt. (laughs) That is still my favorite moment in human history is when Nintendo announced the movie and that they were doing a direct, their like little announcement 
shorts. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, uh, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto says something about Mario and then it cuts and it's just Mario's name next to Chris Pratt's like black and white, <laughs> um, like <laughs> picture. And it was just such a surreal moment. Like, oh my gosh, this is where we're going. And we watched that together, like in real time and we couldn't breathe. <laughs> I was I mean, on the floor laughing. I, I'm not joking when I say, I think that's the hardest I've ever laughed in yeah. my life. Like I, I thought I was having an asthma attack and I don't have asthma. And it was ridiculous. Jack Black, Bowser, Jack Black, Bowser. Anya Taylor, Joy Peach. It, it really is like my fan cast of a Mario. We, we've talked about it like six different times on the show, but it's just because yeah. it's so beyond human reason. It, it makes no sense. And I'm also scared of the fact that like Chris Pratt is going to voice probably my two favorite fictional characters ever. <laughs> Because he's also playing Garfield oh, in the upcoming Garfield movie. I didn't know that. That's awesome. And that horrifies me uh-huh. because I I can't remember if I've talked about this on the show. I have such a deep and profound like life history with Garfield that it's it's baffling. And the fact that Chris Pratt has the chance to potentially ruin that for me mm-hmm. horrifies me. I can't sleep at night thinking about him saying I hate Mondays. I I can't. I have gotten no rest because of this man that I used to love. I liked him (laughs) when he was in uh, the crappy new Jurassic World movie. Okay. And that was it. What do you think of the Lego movie? I love the Lego movie dearly. I love that movie. Okay, you scared me. (laughs) (laughs) Give me your hot take and I'll (laughs) judge you. (laughs) Right, absolutely. Before we had kids, uh, my wife Marcia and I dressed up as... uh, as Emmett and Wildstyle yes. from the Are movie. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Another very cave allegory movie. That's true. They just keep yep. coming. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did see somewhere, uh, I think it was from our dear friend Sam Gould, made the intro. Um, <laughs> are we going to have to like, is he going to be able to charge us for his name? Because like we we paid him to make our intro song, but I feel like we mentioned him so much that he, he could sh- almost like copyright himself. No, he should have to pay trouble. us for exposure as a musician. Oh, that's that's fair. It just right. it evens out and becomes a wash. Um, <laughs> After but, this episode, AMC and Sam Gould. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that I would love to be sponsored by both of those people. Absolutely. I don't I don't really know what Sam could do for us, but it'd be <laughs> it'd be great to have. Um, what else do you have on that note sheet over there? I'm so intrigued. No other guest has printed out notes for us. Well, sometimes I lose track of what we're talking about, especially if we get into movies. So y'all said some you sent me some topics you might want to ask about. Right. Uh, pizza. Oh, yes. about pizza? I was really interested in this. So I had put out to some friends, like, you know, like, Dr. Seuss is going to be on our show. Like, if you have anything you want, you think we should talk about, let me know. And someone mentioned that you, you, you make your own pizza once a week. That's right. It's a Sunday night tradition in the Sear household. And uh, when you put this on the notes you sent me, I, th- I had to think about it. I was like, when did this start? Uh, and I think it was in 2012. So it's more than 10 years going. Wow. And the only time we take breaks... <laughs> Is when we're traveling or otherwise just can't manage to cook on a Sunday night, and that's very rare. So that's awesome. Probably an average of like forty-eight pizzas a year. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so it, it it just started because you love pizza. Oh yeah, favorite there food. Was nothing. I okay. want to have it every week. Uh, I could have it more than that, but once a week is about the happy medium between how much my wife wants it, and how much I want it. <laughs> Our kids like it too. Now you know it's we've. 
been doing it for over 10 years, and we started with like a garlic bread uh, pizza crust recipe. Wow. It was very heavy, and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we got over that after a few years. And then I went to a, an Alton Brown, like classic, simple pizza mm-hmm. dough recipe, did that for a long time. And then during the pandemic, Lots of people got into sourdough bread. I got a sourdough starter and started doing a sourdough pizza crust uh, each week. My, so, yeah. If we're on the hot take train, I hate sourdough. That's all right. I No, you're supposed to be more upset. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no, that's it's, how it works. It's with, it's with movies and uh, actresses like Aquafina that I get really upset. Oh, okay. It's okay, okay if you don't like pizza. That's okay. fair. <laughs> that pizza is not a hill you're willing to die that's on. That's right. Um, okay. As long as you don't take mine. Actress, like, right, right. Yeah, right. or else I will die. For that is pizza. so interesting, though. Like, I... And I would ask what started, but it's just because you like pizza. I like pizza. Okay. And I like to cook. Um, okay. It's so just a fun thing I like to do. And see, that's a skill I wish I had. It's kind of like a, a, I don't know, a ritual because like it's so much planning and uh, time mm. of actually like letting it rise and all that goes into the process over the weekend. That I like that about it. And I feel like since it's on a Sunday, that's almost like a like a mental reset. Yes. Kind of. Take communion at church in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> and then to signal that we're part of the Seer household, we take we you break take, pizza crust together. You break the bread. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I I wish I could cook tragically. Live in, living as a college student, not really gonna happen there. Yeah, it, I, it wasn't until after I had more time than I did in college right? and had like acquired more, uh, you know, cooking equipment, which was actually really easy for me. I got married pretty young and uh, Marsha and I accumulated Mm -hmm. a lot when we got married and then we both liked cooking. So we just, that was like our fun kind of gift for each other for a while is equipment for cooking. That's awesome. That's a gift that keeps on giving. That's right. Oh, I cannot believe we almost forgot this, but... We're not the only people on this podcast who have a podcast. podcast. Oh, so that's true. We, this is definitely the obvious free plug time. But welcome oh, to the Doctor Sear plug hour. I've, I've already spoiled it. So you have your podcast, The Free Will Show. That's right. I wanted to talk a Woo. little bit about um, what you do with that. Yeah. So this is another thing that started during the pandemic. My friend Matt Flummer and I were thinking, you know, it'd be fun to still talk to people. Um, right. <laughs> When we couldn't see that them. would be a nice thing um, to do. <laughs> talk to people about philosophy and especially people that we like look up to, uh, philosophers that are farther along their career uh, that work on free will. Talk to them about different stuff in the free will debate. And then, uh, you know, we thought maybe it could be used as uh, like a resource for teachers who want to like assign a podcast instead of just assigning something to read. Right. That's awesome. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And then since we started it, which it's, it's in its sixth season, we do two seasons wow. a year. 10 episodes a season. We're in the 50s in terms of episodes. Uh, We've kind of, we did the introductory stuff at the beginning, and now we kind of toggle back and forth between just interviewing anyone who works on free will, some people with PhDs already um, in philosophy who are, we just ask them about what they're working on. Right. um, Which kind of gives publicity to people that might not have heard of and that sort of thing. And then the, the thing we toggle to is like another kind of themed a season of episodes to introduce a topic. So we did a season on free will and science and talked to some psychologists and neuroscientists and a couple of philosophers who are interested in the philosophy of physics. Uh, Yeah, it was really cool. And then uh, last, this past fall, we did one on um, divine foreknowledge and free will. So we talked about a bunch Uh, of people with a bunch of people about like, you know, philosophers and Christian theologians throughout history have wrestled with the problem. 
Um, but yeah, I think of it as like a, if you're interested in doing a deep dive on a topic, it's like an academic resource, but made accessible in the podcast format. So it's definitely like nerdier <laughs> than a lot of people's <laughs> podcast tastes. You're uh, preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're interested, like you can get a taste for what people are doing today in philosophy. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. And before you say, I was about to say, I feel like podcasts are an inherently nerdy platform. So don't, Maybe. don't feel, don't feel too bad about like, you're, you're not going to alienate the audience okay, yeah. <laughs> if that's what you're worried about. Uh, certainly not. The podcasts I listen to come in, I guess, four varieties. One is philosophy podcasts, which are probably the nerdiest. Uh, two, sermons. I, caught, I get caught up on uh, sermons from my own church if I have to miss or I'm like teaching kids during the service or something like that. Right. And then uh, three, my probably my go-to is uh, movie criticism nice. podcasts. Uh yeah. Do you I'm, have, like, off the top of your head, what's a good one for us to listen to? If you want, like, a short one that comes out each week that talks about, like, the big movies of the week, mm-hmm. uh, Film Week, which is come, based in L.A., has a bunch okay. of L.A. film critics that I really like. And then um, if you want something that's, like, a deeper dive, longer episodes with just a couple of critics, uh, Film Spotting. My favorite okay. uh, film critic, uh, Josh Larson, is one of the hosts of that one. So I like those a lot. And then the fourth category is um, Sandwich, Club Sandwich. Oh, there <laughs> you yep. go. You guys get your own category. Oh, thank you. And we did not give him any mean looks that would like imply <laughs> he needed to say that or we'd scrap his episode. <laughs> we, we should have just like, we should have used this section of the podcast as leverage been like, look, if you don't shout us out, we're going to take away your plug opportunity. <laughs> Especially after my reveal about Aquafina, right, right. We're gonna, we're just gonna take a power trip here. That's right. um, and you also, I mean, philosophy all around. But there, there's a, there. Some would say there's an even nerdier thing related <laughs> to philosophy that you encounter on a daily basis. That's true. I'm a big fan of philosophy memes. Right. Is that where you're headed with that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Thank you. So. Uh, when I started at Stanford, I had a great section of intro to philosophy. It was a smaller section. I think we had like, there were 17 or 18 students. Normally I have like 25 in an intro to philosophy class. Okay. Uh, right now I have, uh, I think, 30 in intro to philosophy. Anyway, oh. uh, 17 or 18 students, a lot of them really loved uh, when I made memes for class or showed memes on my who slides. Yeah, who wouldn't? Memes are great. But, uh, you know, I thought, and some of these students suggested, it'd be fun for me to make memes and then actually like have a way of connecting with students to share them. Right. So I made an Instagram handle, just Prof Seer, to like share memes with people. And lots of students will send me memes and I'll post them as my stories. So <laughs> you should all do that if you see philosophy. Nice. And then the stuff that I post like as actual, uh, you know, not stories, like the permanent stuff is all like memes that I make. Yeah, I mean, there's a like, you're not just an like a run of the mill, oh, I saw this on like, somebody's Facebook and I just yoinked it like there is a lot of original content there about a lot of things that I I do my best there's some of it I can keep up with yeah. and the ones that I keep up with I'm like that is super impressive I'm really like <laughs> I love that I dig that and there, then there will be name like Greek names that I'm like I couldn't spell that with a gun to my head <laughs> that's funny well I guess a lot of times they're uh 
they're sort of inspired by what's going on in the classes I'm teaching that week. Right. So it's like something I'd be sharing in, with current students. So like this semester, I, I'm teaching logic. And I haven't taught that in, in years, like before coming to Sanford. So I've like been inspired to make more logic memes that I've made in the past few years. Nice. Yeah. It nice. makes me feel very like in on the joke when I see you post a, a Star Wars meme and about <laughs> modus ponens. Yes. You're like, oh, I, I get like it that. now. Yes. <laughs> right, right. There, there was there were a few on Descartes that you made when you were teaching Descartes in yes. our class, and I was like, I am equally parts like proud and confused that I'm in on the joke. That's like, right, yeah. why am I? Why do I understand this? <laughs> That's right. But uh, yeah, go follow at Prof P R O F C Y R on Instagram. Um, yes. Thanks. Which at first I thought it was just like a cool misspell- misspelling of professor. And I was like, oh, that's, that's like elite <laughs> speak. And then I was like, wait a minute. Never mind. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, unless y'all have anything else, I think this is a good time to call. I had day. I had one thing I wanted to ask about. Oh, go so, ahead. So, um, as I guess sort of a captivation for your podcast for mm-hmm. a lot of our own listeners, how would you sum up your own view on free will? Obviously, you could, I'm sure you. <laughs> You've you got a minute written, to win it. You've written dissertations on it. I have. But what what would you say is your camp you fall into mm-hmm. and, and what you think about it? Which we know that's not like a, what's your favorite color? Like, <laughs> that's right. This is an icebreaker question. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like no matter what your view is on free will, it takes like so much setup to explain the terms you're going to use <laughs> to like name your view. Right. But I'll give you the very short like elevator pitch version. So uh, I think we have free will. If by free will you mean like, we're responsible for what we do. And that's what a lot of people mean by free will. It's like it's up to us what we do in in all the you know, in the sense that matters for holding each other accountable for what we do. Okay. So I think that's possible for human beings is that we can be responsible for what we do. Okay. Um, but, and here's what's more distinctive about my view. Lots of people think we're responsible. There are some skeptics, but most people think we're responsible. Um, I think we can be responsible even if we can't do otherwise than what we actually do. Right. So a lot of people think free will means, oh, you could have avoided doing what you did. You had like multiple alternatives open to you at the time. And my view is, uh, although we probably do sometimes have alternatives, at least in some sense, um, that's not required. It's not part of what makes you responsible. So mm. that kind of helps with certain challenges to free will and moral responsibility. Like one, it's more from sort of the, the realm of science or physics has to do with causal determinism. Maybe the laws of nature are such that there's only one physically possible future. Right. If that were the case, and a lot of people take it seriously as a hypothesis, uh, it's it's hard to see how we could have alternative possibilities. But if that doesn't matter, sort of moral responsibility is insulated from that scientific threat. Another one more theological is, what if God knows in advance what we're going to do? Or what right. if God has planned in advance how the world's going to unfold? That really seems like it calls into question whether we can do otherwise than Absolutely. Uh, what we actually do. Um, and I think it does, actually, because I do think that uh, God knows and also plans everything that happens. Uh, that's part of my uh, sort of that's that's part of my set of Christian convictions. So, right. uh, what does that mean for free will? Well, if you think we have to have alternative possibilities, it's hard to see. There are people who do it, right? And my podcast <laughs> explored lots of ways that people have tried to reconcile those things. But go check out the free will podcast. That's right. But yeah, if if we don't need to have alternative possibilities to be morally responsible, maybe it's okay that we might not have certain kinds of alternative possibilities. So that's the really short version. Right? Wow. But yeah, I did write a dissertation on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. 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 Well, Sam, now Sam, that, what do you think about it? 
I think we've covered our intellectual quota for the week. Uh, join us next week as we talk about a bunch of grown men wearing funny pads, bumping into each other, and throwing around a leather ball. Um, that sounds fun. I don't know if we're going to talk about the Super Bowl or not. We haven't talked about that. But, um, wow. I'm impressed. I'll say if people want to learn more about free will, I, d- I introduce it in my intro to philosophy class. And I mm-hmm. also have developed a new course here at Sanford called Free Will and Predestination. Yeah. Planning to offer at least every other fall. And you also, correct me if I'm wrong, you taught the metaphysics class on like where time travel was addressed, right? Yes, I'm teaching right? that right now, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the my metaphysics class introduced, like the focus is on God, time, and free will. And the... The middle section, which is the longest, is really focused on time travel and whether it's possible. Mm-hmm. And when you start talking about like the grandfather paradox and other paradoxes of time travel, all these other topics in metaphysics come up, like identity, causation, time itself, free will. So yeah, I use time travel as a kind of uh, guiding theme for my metaphysics class. That's amazing. And it's a lot of fun. That's, awesome. that's also definitely talked about a lot in your intro class. Yeah, too, we do. Because I remember talking about the grandfather paradox yes. and... Uh, those sorts of things are really interesting. Yeah, and then you feel like your brain is like slowly sliding out of your like ears. And then when you go and watch new Christopher Nolan movies, you know what's going. On. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm gonna watch Tenet with some uh, metaphysics there. this semester. We're gonna unpack it. I together. felt like it was so much easier to understand having talked about time travel extensively because yeah. I'm like, oh, that's like what this paradox kind yes. of proposes, and this is how the movie explores it. Obviously. <laughs> Whereas a lot of critics came out of that movie that? thinking, I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, Dr. Sear, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, it's thanks been for having me. an honor and a pleasure to have this you. It was a lot of fun. Um, as per usual, I'm Sam. And I'm Mitch this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it right. And this has been another great episode of Club Sandwich. Thank you all and tune in to the next one. See you guys later. Bye.